Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? It's Soren Baker here on Unique Access with Soren Baker. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. We're excited to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and we appreciate you tuning in and listening to us today. Now, today, I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Big Mike. Now, Big Mike has so much, so much in the game. Of course, some people know him as a solo artist. Some people know him as a Ghetto Boys member. Some people know him for being a great rapper. And among the many things I talked to him about was, you know, when he joined Rap A Lot, what was given Rap A Lot its identity back in the day. Talked to him about why the convicts only did one album, why Tony Draper didn't follow him to Rap A Lot, Prince Johnny C telling him to do Peter Man, one of his most famous songs, how he did 100 Dial A Crook with the Ghetto Boys, and why Big Mike thinks that Rap-A-Lot sabotaged his hard-to-hit album. Big Mike also talks about something that most people don't know or have even ever heard him talk about, which is how Dr. Dre wanted his song Straight Gangsterism for The Chronic. And of course, we also talk about his recent album, Finish the Job, and where Southern lyricists stand today. So without further ado, let's get into it, man. Big Mike here on Unique Access with Soren Baker. Today... We have the honor and privilege of being joined by somebody I've been listening to for many moons and I haven't interviewed in a while. So I'm glad to get back in touch with him. Big Mike, thanks for coming through, man. Thank you for having me, Sean. Really appreciate it, brother. Yeah. yeah. It's been a minute, so I'm glad we're back in touch. Big Big Mike has the, the new album finished, The Job, that just came out. So if you guys haven't heard it yet, be sure to pick it up. It's got a lot of great material on there. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to start with that and then get into some of the iconic stuff that uh, Big Mike's done over the years. So uh, Big Mike, for the new album, Finish the Job, break down what the title, you know, what that means to you. Ah, well, the motivation behind the title, um, I guess the last time we had spoken, right, um, for the um the hard to hit interview, I had um I had went I had got locked up after that, right? Yeah. Got into a little situation, but um wound up having to do some time. So my um my career was um the growth of my career was stunning at that point, right? So once I did my bid, came home, you know, um it wasn't like you know, when other rappers had went to jail, they came back home for a lot of fanfare, right? And they had that 
they had their audience already waiting for them, right? And um, but it didn't fall like that for me, right? So I had um, I had to really get out there again and toe the line. So I'm trying to juggle, you know, um, getting back into the flow of living, right? Um, reestablishing and mending relationships again, and just living life all together at the same time. Um, searching for myself musically. You know what I mean? Again, and where I fit and things like that. So during the course of the, you know, living, um, I was able to do that, find my purpose. And when I got my, um, identified my purpose, it allowed me to, um, you know, excel again when it came to my music, right? To where I felt comfortable getting in the studio and releasing the full-fledged Big Mike album. So Finish the Job to me is, completing that picking up right where where my growth was stunted right and taking it from there and placing it where it should be yeah. so in a sense I'm, I'm finishing the job that i had started right that was um abruptly interrupted <laughs> by a lot of drama you know what i mean but i'm still here so i'm thankful you know and able to be doing my thing yeah that's the main thing yeah well the the thing is as you rapped about basically since the convicts till today, including the new album, Finish the Job, there's always the struggle, overcoming the struggle, dealing with the struggle. That's part of life. We're going to have ups and downs. So the important thing is what we do once we experience them and what our next moves are. So congratulations uh, for, you know, coming back and not uh, not retiring. Hey, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, the drive, the fire was still in me. I just had to find a way to channel it, right? And um, and be able to speak in terms that I'm comfortable with, right? As a grown man now, you dig what I'm saying? And to be able to speak to other grown people, you know what I mean? Through this art of hip hop, because the way it looks now, it seems like it's just a young art form. The audience is just young. But really it's, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of seasoned listeners and, um, you know, and followers of the uh, of the craft and you know who who support the art and they just haven't been able to be fed yet right so i'm i want to i want to um fill that slot you know what i mean and feed those folks you know what i'm saying those older um hip-hop loving kids yeah well yeah. to that point ties nicely into one of my favorite songs off of finish the job which is appreciate you because mm -hmm. that one I really like the fact that you're talking about, you know, showing love for people while they're here. Uh, and it has that, uh, you know, very soulful music that I think is a hallmark of really starting with your solo career with something serious. You got that, you know, the gumbo funk soul type yeah. of thing. So for Appreciate You, lyrically, why did you end up looking at things from that way of appreciating people while they're here? Ah, oh, man, you know, when you're young, right? <laughs> you're just zooming through life. You're just zooming through life. You know what I mean? So um, you run in and out of relationships. You know what I mean? Sometimes you don't even recognize the people that's there in front of you helping you. You know what I mean? So of course, when we get older, right? And, we, and we're, we're responsible for others, right? And we want to feel appreciated, right? When it comes to our kids and everything, you know what I mean, right? So you have to, um, I say, you know what, man? These kids, they're, they're not going to know it unless we put it out there, right? 
showing them, you know, a proper setting and where you're being grateful and you're thankful for people looking out for you. It don't have to be such a savage world. You dig what I'm saying? And um, I just wanted to do something that was wholesome, right? Something that felt good, you know, and something that would, um, you know, that would heal people, right? So we got to start, you know, um, a big part of healing is, 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 um, is coming together and appreciating each other. You dig what I'm saying? And um, not overlooking the small things that people may be doing for you behind the scenes, right? Because there's a lot going on in each of our lives, you know what I'm saying, that we're able to make it through the day. And um, it's a force that's carrying us through behind the scenes that we don't even recognize sometimes. So let's at least, you know what I'm saying, give it up to what we can see and what we can recognize, you know what I mean? And put that vibe out there, man, about being appreciative. You feel me? Yeah. And on appreciate you. The other thing I thought was amazing about it was the that one you have like a slower flow, but it's super precise and like right in the pocket, like phenomenally. So, um, and that's something that's also been a hallmark of your career, your different flows, your different styles based on the music, the subject matter, what have you. So why do you think that still today, you know, we don't see the South or people from Louisiana, New Orleans getting the respect for being like supreme lyricists, supreme stylistically. <sighs> you know, and this is, it shouldn't be like that because it's a lot of superb lyricists, right? That's, that's, that, that, that's from the South. A lot of them. So many, I can't even much, you know, I can't even begin to count right now. And, um, but I, I don't know. 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 They, you know, I, I traveled a lot of places early, early in my career, right? And I had got the vibe, right, from the East Coast, from the West Coast, that they look at the South like we was a little bit slower, right? And then, you, you feel me? So we have that stigma to have to deal with. Um, and a lot of stuff that was coming out the South was a lot of party music, right? You know what I'm saying? From, um, from Luke Skywalker and the Two Live Crew. I think, you know, things change. You had a lot of dance music coming out the South, you know, um, but things change, you know, once the Ghetto Boys was established, right? It got a little bit more serious. You did what I'm saying? And then once I came into the game, came into the fold, you know, I kind of like um, toned it down and put it more on the, on, the, on, the, on the street level, you know what I'm saying, what's happening now. But I just think it's that stigma Bro, I just think it's that stigma of being down from the South and people perceiving people from the South to be a little bit slower. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's our Southern drawl or whatnot, right? But definitely, you know, when it, when it, when it, when it comes to the music, you know, um, so I don't, I don't know. A lot of people, you know, they give it up for artists from the South. And I don't really run into that too much, you know what I mean? But I assume that it might be that bias that's still out there, but, um, Definitely, at this point, is unwarranted. Absolutely, because I just yeah. remember the first two people that I really, really gravitated from New Orleans was you and Bust Down, even though he's from Marrero. But right, right. And you guys were like totally different styles, but that was an early example to me of the diversity and the brilliance that could come in different ways from the same city that wasn't New York, that wasn't Los Angeles, that even wasn't, you know, what we saw, like you said, from Miami. And it was right, right there 
in New Orleans. So right away, I just y'all shout out the bust down, man. <laughs> For real. Shout out to Bust Down. Bust Down was really crafty with his rhymes. You know what I mean? And and comedic as well. You dig what I'm saying? But shout out to Bust Down. I'm glad that you brought him up. That's real. Yeah, man. He uh he he just was so underrated, I thought, and uh was early in the game too, but that's probably why mm-hmm. it was underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, now another track on Finish the Job that I really liked was the Blazing one. And that right. one, that one has a lot of blues, uh, sonically, in my opinion, or a bluesy feel at least. So that's something that I think obviously a lot of the rap a lot artists have done. I'd say you and Devin and Scarface probably are the best of it, uh, at least to rap a lot. And then of course, A Ball and MJG and others have done it very well. So what, what do you think rapping over that type of sonic element brings that's a little bit different than what we normally hear from rap? Oh man, that's, that's in my DNA. Being from the South, being from New Orleans, um, the, the, you know what I'm saying, the birthplace of modern black music, right? And American music on the whole, right? So um, it just speaks to me, right? The music, when I hear that, we grow up listening to blues, listening to our moms and grandparents, right? Partying and, you know what I'm saying, listening to these songs. So the vibe and the feel of the music is so familiar to us, right? And I think that's what gave rap a lot its own identity, right? Instead of just having a, a camp full of rappers, it was our Southern sound, right? So we drew heavy on that. And um, yeah, it just, it just, it just felt good to me. It, it, it was right in pocket. It was, it was in my zone, in my arena. And I, 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 I felt like I flourished well there. And, um, you know, you could tell by how the lyrics flow. You know what I mean? If I was, if I was one with the tracks. So that was definitely one of the tracks that I had became one with. I hate to say that because I, I had with all of them, right? You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. It's funny because most of my favorites from Finish the Job are in the middle. So. Right. It's just interesting how that worked out. Another one is the one right after that, the mud on my jeans. And right. The thing that's interesting to me about that is being with rap a lot, even though I listened and I knew you were from New Orleans, I think a lot of people thought you were from Houston, assumed you were from Houston or whatever, because the label and that song you're really addressing about New Orleans and Superdome and all this type of stuff. So what, um, the perception of being on a Houston label and being from Louisiana for the early part of your career, how do you think that affected how people looked at you, if at all? I tell you, it was a double-edged sword, right? Because for just as many people that know me, love me, and say that they raised me in New Orleans, the same amount of people can boast that in Houston, right? Because I was raised in New Orleans from an infant up until the age of 13. At the age of 13, I went to Houston to live with my grandparents, right? So um, I spent, you know, my junior high school years, my high school years, and my young adulthood right there in Houston. Couple that we're going back and forth to New Orleans for the summer, right? And for the holidays, right? And things like that. So I am from Houston, right? Right? I just happen to be a dual city representative. That's what I say. I, I'm from both places, right? But um, once I, you know, got on the label, 
and I mentioned, you know what I'm saying, that I was from, um, born in New Orleans, originally from New Orleans, right? It was kind of like, ah, uh, you had people in New Orleans that was like, ah, uh, he from Houston, you know what I'm saying? He's repping Houston, then you have people in, you know, in Houston that'll be like, ah, uh, he from rap, I mean, he from New Orleans, you know what I'm saying? This and that, so, but people who know me, knew me, they know me, you know what I mean? But unfortunately, um, right, right, um, you know, it, 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 it didn't hold the progress of my career, right, and where the music was going and things like that. But yeah, I had to deal with that bias, you know what I mean? He Houston, but he not really from Houston, he from New Orleans, you know what I mean? He born in New Orleans, but he was raised in Houston, right, so you have to deal with that a little bit. But um, as time is going on, I think both, both, really, you know what I'm saying, have come to appreciate, right, what I do and my representation of both cities. One of my genes, I just really like that because, um, you know, talking about the Bayou Breeze and, you know, Louisiana Moon and all those different things, um, it was just nice hearing you pay homage to that because I always wonder over the years, the perception even though you had the New Orleans Fats album and all that type of stuff, yeah. there's that perception, I think, still. It was always Houston. Yes, yes, yes. So um, a long time ago, I quit vying for New Orleans attention and just focused on doing my thing, right? I say, long as I keep doing my work, right? At the end of the day, the tale of the tape, right? I tell the whole story. You dig what I'm saying? And I say, it'll, it'll probably be special. It'll probably be more special. You dig what I'm saying? When that greater appreciation comes later, you know. But um, Mud on My Jeans, man, it's a special song to me because the featured artist on there who shares the second verse with me, Chewy Thunderfoot Black, that's my father, <laughs> right? That's my dad. My dad My dad is a musician, accomplished musician, right? Um, so... We had an opportunity. I always wanted to do a do a song with my dad. Um, I had him play on stuff, but I really wanted to utilize all of his talents. So um, I pinned mud on my jeans with with myself and he and mine, you know. And um, we share the second verse. He do the ad libs right after the second verse doing the chorus, right? And then I backdoor again. I do the bridge and I come in with the sixteen after that. But um, yeah, that's what made that song special for me. Shout out to my dad, Chewy Thunderfoot Black, Mr. Will Barnett. You know, they got that New Orleans represent. So yeah, man, Mud on My Jeans is an amazing song. And it gave me an opportunity to um, you know, to get my singing chops in a little bit. You know, right? Right. I, I mean, I'm in my pocket, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hitting no different optics or nothing like that. But um, yeah, you know, that that real, that real, I wanted to capture that, that real nice Southern feel with a kind of folk feel to it as well. You know what I mean? Right? And I was like, man, once I was going through the process of recording this album, I was leading up to it, I was on everything. I was on folk music. I was on Southern rock. I was on blues heavy. I was just really delving into the instrumentation side of it first before I start putting my rhymes to it, I definitely wanted the album and the sound um, to have its own sound, you know what I mean? Aside from what you might hear today or what, you know what I'm saying, um, you might have heard from me in the past, but you can still hear the foundation. So 
I was I was on everything. I just wanted to touch touch all the um you know the musical roots. You know what I'm saying, and um bring them bring them forth in that in that album. And I'm so appreciative appreciative that you like it a lot, really. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. So, what was the conversation like with your dad to get him on there? Ah, <laughs> it wasn't much of a conversation, right? I was like, hey, I say, dad, man, it's time for us to do a song together, and he was like. Um, when you want me down there, I was like, I got to put the track together first. Let me, you feel me? So it it was it was automatic. It was something that was destined to happen, and um, I'm glad that it happened now. When I'm a little bit more older and a little bit more seasoned, right? Than when I was just a young buck out there, because we was able to really come together and make and make something that's really cultural, right? To our geographical, you know what I mean? Location, right? Louisiana, um, Southeast Texas, right? So um yeah, I can't wait till the people in that area get a hold to it. It's gonna be crazy. With the side of co-off in there as well. So we definitely try to capture that Louisiana on there with that, with that Texas, because Houston is just like Louisiana. A whole bunch of people that's in Houston is from Louisiana, right? They all come together right there, that whole little pocket. You know, it's it's an it's an amazing, amazing melting pot. And um, I, I I definitely love the area. We got the bomb festivals and everything, man. The great food, right between the both of them. I mean, it's it's amazing. I just wanted to do a song that captured all of that. Gotcha. Okay. And my other other one that's one of my favorites is the everything is everything. And on right. on, that, on that one, I was particularly interested because how you blended lyrically kind of the biblical stuff with what's going on today. So yes. I wanted you to explain how and why did this song make you explore the connections between, you know, the Bible and today? Well, if you listen to the whole album from, um, from, the, from the start, from the intro to the second song, third song, it's all testimony, right? I, I, I make um, scriptural references and all of those songs, <laughs> and, and every one of them. So I'm a firm believer and follower, right, of the Lord, Christ, Yeshua, right? In modern terms, we call him Jesus, right? So, um, and I'm not ashamed of it, and I'm a warrior for the kingdom, right? So that's, that's, that's what um, everything is everything is. I'm in, my, I'm in my warrior stage on that song, right? We kicking ass on that song. Shout out to my partner, Yazir Solo. He's an artist that's on my label, on my IND. We're going to be working on his album pretty soon. But um, I featured him on on the number of songs on the album because the brother is dope, right? And he's, you know what I mean? He's really following my lead. And I just hope to prepare him for the future. But yeah, we, 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 was, at, we, was, we was at battle on, on that song. So, you know, um, I took my tools. I put the full Loma of God on in that song. And I definitely wanted to represent who I believe in what I believe in, who gave me my purpose, who made me as dope as I am. You dig what I'm saying? So, and I feel like that's what the world needs. I know everybody, some people fake may be in politics. Some people fake may be in money. Some people fake may be in themselves. You dig what I'm saying? But my faith is not in either one of those things. My faith is in the Lord. I'm not ashamed of it, right? I done been through a lot and I felt like because I have been through a lot and he brought me through so much, I felt like I was the man to get out there and promote the kingdom. Feel me? You can send me to the rough places. 
right? I'm from those places. I can navigate those places. You dig what I'm saying? So that was my motivation. Whenever you hear me representing the kingdom, and, and, and don't get me wrong, listen, you know yourself, you have heard the album, right? It's not a gospel album. It's not a Christian album. There's not none of all. that, right? Not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just real conversation, right? Like if you was to talk to me, me and you was to meet outside the cameras, right? And we chilling and chopping up, you get to know me, you'll be like, that's Mike, right? He's an all around person. All these things is in him, they motivate him. They come out of him every day. You dig what I'm saying? So. Yeah, I just wanted to represent what I believe in in a strong way and bring it to the streets and tie it into a language that they can understand. You dig what I'm saying? And um, I feel like it, it, it's, it's, it's not an easy job, but it's not a task. You dig? No, I think you did, um, a, I think you did a great job of it. And that's uh, thank why you, I, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. That's, that's why those songs are my favorites, but the rest of the album is good, too. But the ones on Finish the Job I was asking you about are the ones... I just gravitated toward the most. And I feel yeah. that, um, like I was saying, just with appreciate you, just showing your different flows, the relaxed flow, the hyper flow, the fast and flow. The flow on there, that's, that's, that's my old man flow. That's what I'm gonna use when I'm rapping at 60. I'm just bringing it to light right now. So I'm gonna be perfecting it. Cause listen, I plan on going for a long time, right? I just made 49, right? A couple of days ago, right? Almost 50, you hear how I'm sounding? Right? Yeah. You, you know my work from the past, right? You can definitely hear like, hold on, there's something going on here. It's some kind of sensei action going on. You dig what I'm saying? Right? That's what we're supposed to be. We're not like athletes. Athletes' bodies get old, they get tired, no matter how much muscle they got on. After a while, you can still have all that muscle, but you're gonna slow down, right? We activate this, these vocals from this heart in our soul. You dig what I'm saying? So. I feel like I can go on forever. I'm definitely want to um, stretch the boundaries, right? Of um, what age limit defines dope or when you stop being dope. You dig what I'm saying? So that's a personal goal for me. That's yeah. a personal goal for me. You know what I mean? And I think once people get the album, they're going to understand. They're going to be like, yeah, this, this is a serious piece of work. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely want to separate myself from the rest. Um, I've been at it a long time. I'm a practitioner of this art. I love it to death. I thank God for it, right? I feel like I should only get better. I'm like, I see myself like that Kung Fu master you see in the movies, the one that be up in the mountains with the long ass beard. You know what I'm saying, right? That all the upstarts think they dope got to come see. You right. feel me? Right, I feel like I'm that guy. And I feel like a veteran artist that the fans are still checking for at this time, Right? I think they owe it to the fans. They owe it to the fans to show them a different level. If they can do it. If yeah. they can't do it, I understand as well. But I feel like I can do it and I won't accept nothing less from myself. Right. Well, and that's a testament to your longevity because um, I do want to, let's now talk about some of your amazing work that you did throughout your career. Um, and we're talking about people believing in you and stuff. Uh, some people know that have been following you, some people don't, but what was it about early in the game getting with Tony Draper uh, to where you guys believed in each other to where he helped you get in the game and you helped him get in the game? Man, me and Tony met as teenagers, <laughs> working at the Olive Garden, <laughs> right? At the Olive Garden restaurant. Um, 
man, we must have been around 16, 17. We was working at the Olive Garden and um Tony had a car. <laughs> so sometimes he'll give me a ride home. I had went to New Orleans um a couple of summers before that. I was around age 15. I had did a demo with my dad, two songs. So I was I was playing them one day when me and Tony was on, he was taking me home and he liked it. And he was like, man, I got a cousin over there at Rap Lot Records. He's a producer over there, right? His name is John Beto. He said, man, can I take it to him, right? So he came, he took it to him, and he was like, Mike, he said, man, they like it, but we're going to have to go do some more songs. So when Payday came, right, we would go half in on the studio time, <laughs> right? Me and Tony, right? And we would produce some more demos after we produced a few more songs. It's crazy because Tony always had the ambition not to even be an artist. Even as a, a teenager, he wanted to, to run the company, right? I wanted to be, right? Knock out. I wanted to be the awesome MC. I wanted to be a famous rapper, right? I wanted to, I wanted to be that. And it's funny, we had started out together. Once the demos got to um got back. They set up a meeting with us and um Jay Prince. And that's when they presented me with the um the convicts project, right? I hadn't signed as a solo artist. I would just agree to do the convicts project. I think that's why we had did just one album. But we did the convicts project and um Tony didn't follow me to rap a lot. Right? Didn't follow me to rap a lot. But <laughs> not long. He wound up with Swap House. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So both our dreams come true, right? And I'm like, man, I never forget that. That's 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 an amazing story right there. Um, yeah, because yeah. just, just think of you guys as teenagers riding in a car, and, and you guys, yeah. both, you guys both did it. You know? Thank God. Yeah, yeah. That's an yeah. amazing thing because to be. You eventually being in the Ghetto Boys and having gold albums on your own, and then he's yeah. having gold multi-platinum albums as his label. You guys both yeah. did it. That's crazy. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, I won't forget that. But go ahead, go ahead. Let me cut you off. Sorry about that. No, no, it's all good. Uh, didn't mean to cut you off. But I was gonna say, when they presented the convicts to you at Rap a Lot, what made you and a three-two, you know, link and work well together? Do you think? Because the convicts, Rap a Lot had another artist, rest in peace, named Big Mellow, right? So the convicts was supposed to initially supposed to be me, Big Mellow, and 3 2. But Big Mellow was locked up at the time, got locked up. So they wanted to move forward with, with the project. So they that's how me and 3 2 um, met, right? Through the label. But once we, we got together, Right, he would be he would be coming over to the hood, coming over to my hood, hanging out with me. I was still selling cheese at the time. <laughs> you see what I said? But he'll come over there and hang, you know, hang out with me and things like that. And we'll be formulating songs and writing to the songs, writing to some of the concepts that Jay Prince would shoot to us. You know what I mean? And we became we we became really tight. He was like, you know, even though we was around the same age, he was he was like a, a younger brother to me. You know what I mean? And um, and me and three two wind up having an amazing journey together. We wind up out there in L.A. and Death Row with Dr. Trey, Shook. You know what I mean? 
roommates with Warren G, Snoop. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, life is amazing, man. We 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 had an awesome journey. I wish we could have got together and did another Convicts album. But you know, right after the Convicts album, when we wound up in Death Row, the the um, Ghetto Boys offer came to me, right? And that's what. And then after the Ghetto Boys, the something serious came out, and I was on my way. So you know what I mean. But I always would um bring three two along. That's why you always heard him. You heard him on the Ghetto Boys album on on Straight Gangsterism. You heard him on the Something Serious album on Fire. When I would do um features like when I did the feature on um, Gang Stories with South Central Cartel and MC8, right? He was there. You dig what I'm saying? So I always would we, um would reach out and grab my brother and try to help him along and create a foundation for him, you know what I'm saying? So he can launch his thing from, you know, and um, I do miss him, you know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, I love him a lot, man. Shout out to Three Two. He got some stuff out too right now called In My Candy. So y'all definitely, when you get time, go check for Three Two. With The Convicts, that album is uh, incredible on so many levels, but uh, several of them come to mind. And of course, Peter Mann, is the one I would say for you, especially is the most famous. So what yeah. do you remember making that song? Like how the concept and the idea came about? I tell you, <laughs> Prince Johnny C, one of the original ghetto boys, right? When he fell back out the group, he was, a, he was one of the main producers at Rap Lot, right? And Johnny C put together the chorus. <laughs> He put together the track and everything. I came over to his house and he played it for me. He was like, you got to have this. He was like, he was like you, you have to have an identifying track, right? You know what I mean? And that's the time when everybody was doing the tracks, right? Right? Uh, face was DJ Action, but he, then he did the Scarface, right? And then eventually became, you know what I mean? Known as Scarface, right? But he was like, you have to have that identifying track. And that's how Johnny C, Prince Johnny C, Shout out to the Prince Johnny C. He he presented me with that idea. Yeah, because yeah, I decided just to tell it, you know, against the story. You feel me? You know, um, and the rest was history. And that's that's definitely a favorite of mine as well, and other fans for real. I need to perform it more, but um, yeah, yeah. you should. That's a great one. <laughs> the other thing, you know, from what I already knew, and now you're telling these other stories, is people, I think one don't understand Jay Prince's mind as far as creativity and helping and uh, talking and interacting with the artists, but then also the producers giving people ideas. Cause I think a lot of people still have this perception that a rapper sits in a room by himself and does everything all by himself. Yeah. But, you know, people are in groups, people listen to their producers, people listen to the uh, executives, whatever. So for you, what did you see was this special energy that rap a lot had back in this 1990-91 era? I think it was what the South had needed, <clears throat> right? Because hip hop had got out of just the little MC stage, right? Right? Um, and it was get it was it was getting serious. People wanted to be represented, right? Cities wanted to be represented. You dig what I'm saying? Right? And um, I think it was what the people had needed at the time, right? And then couple that with all the hungry artists, the hungry young men, right? That formed the rap a lot web, right? 
you know, um, I think their hunger, their determination, you know, all of us, you know, um, it, 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 it gave the South something that they can jump down with other than, you know what I mean, the, um, the booty music, right, and things like that. I think, I, you know, and, um, yeah, I think it was just the thirst of um, the South needing that proper representation at the time. You dig? And it just all, all, all came together at that time. And it, it, and, and, it, and it was a really good time. It was really a good time in the 90s, the early 90s to the mid-90s, even a little bit through the mid, the, um, the late 90s and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, those was, those was really good times. And even on that one, you shouted out the Ninth Ward New Orleans. So that's, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and on the Some Serious album, you know, I had a song called Southern Thing that was dedicated yep. to my upbringing in New Orleans. So, yep. right? So, um, but with, you know, times, times, times we changing. I be holding on to a certain era, right? And, and people, people be forgetting those long ago eras, right? But those eras, those, those are golden to me. You dig what I'm saying? That's a pool that I stumbled upon and I'd be like, man, nobody's swimming over here. The water is clear, you know what I mean? I think I'm gonna stay right here. And you know, I draw a lot of my energy, you know what I'm saying, from um, from the past and things like that, you know? So they propelled me forward, most definitely. Yeah, and uh, one of the other legendary songs is the One Nine Hundred Dollar Crook, um, because that one, of course, had the Ghetto Boys at the time, the lineup of the yeah. Ghetto Boys. Yeah. So for you, I would imagine somebody that grew up listening, loving, admiring Scarface, Willie D, and Bushwick to then do a song with them on your album. What What was that experience like? Oh man, it was awesome. We, me and Three Two, was amped to get that one done. I think that was like one of the last songs, the last song that we had did, right? And we was like, what? They gonna put the ghetto boys on here with us, man. It it it, it was it was it was a good time. We we really was looking forward to um to, to recording that record and completing that record. And the record came out really well. It was very creative, you know what I mean. Um, Rockefeller wound up doing them a little spin-off version of it with the one eight hundred um dollar hustler, a one nine hundred dollar hustler, one of them. But yeah, it was an awesome song. Awesome song. We really had looked forward to that. You know what I mean? I'm not a hater, nothing like that. I'm not as close with all of the guys, you know what I'm saying, as we once was in the past or whatnot. But yeah, me and 3-2 really looked forward to that. That was that was that was a highlight of recording that album to have the ghetto boys on the album. We was newcomers, you did. So it was it was it was awesome. Yeah, and back then there wasn't uh at least with rap a lot, that was one I just heard it when I was listening because it didn't put who was on the songs back then sometimes. So yeah. uh, when I was listening to it, I just heard it and I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um and then just the creativity of it, of course. I really enjoyed in the beat changes and the energy and all that. It was uh it was very interesting, but did uh what was it about, like, oh, I'm going to write a rap about breaking into a car and how to do it? <laughs> because it was something that I knew how to do, right? So everybody was picking a topic, you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, let me do a topic that everybody not just going to pick, right? You know what I mean? So um, it was something that I knew. It was something that I had did. It was something that I knew. So I felt comfortable going with that one. 
<laughs> I hope I didn't get too many kids in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Trying to follow my instructions, but um, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one thing I was always curious is on this is for the convicts that singing part. That was on OG style album too, right? In fact, the E, rest in heaven, E from OG style, I'm a part of Eric. Well, yeah, it was a um, it was a skit that he had did, and um, Jay Prince was like, man, he's talking about the jail. That need to be on the convicts record, right? That need to be the intro. So that's how we wind up getting that on the intro. Um, which um, um, the intro of this is for the convicts, the title track, where the, the track this is for the convicts. So um, yeah, that's how we wind up getting that right there. He had already had that idea down, and they was and and it just fit to, into what we was doing. Yeah, because when I heard it, I was like, wait a minute, they made a mistake, but it fit so well. <laughs> Both albums. <laughs> it, did. it did. It did. Shout out to OG Style, Big Boss, and E, Ed Jack. But yep. yeah, that's how we came across that one. Yes. Okay. And then one other, another thing that I really liked about the project was on uh, Whooper Ass, how you had Choice kind of come in and provide the female perspective and, and not just let you guys talk what you were talking. So creatively, why, how did that happen and why did it happen? Ah, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I'm trying to remember whose idea that was. I think that was a brainchild of three two <laughs> to do that song right there, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he probably suggested that choice be on it as well, if I'm not mistaken. It's so long ago, but I I I, I think that's that's that's. I recall that's how that's how it had went down. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, you know, when Choice come, she like, yeah, I'm definitely going to get a female perspective of it, right? That's what she's there for. So, you know, um, man, now when I think about some of those songs, right? <laughs> ah, it made me cringe a little bit, right? You know, because society, how things have changed so, right? I look at some movies and I'll be like, man, they would have never been able to get away with that in these days, you feel me? In these times, they would have shut that down. But, um, you know, the Convicts album is definitely a cult classic. You feel me? Definitely, definitely an underground classic. You know what I mean? So I am thankful for that, that, that record as well. You know, but, um, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, your taste change once you grow and things. You know what I mean? So I'm looking back in hindsight. That's all. Well, that, that's why I think Finish the Job, if we start with the Convicts and we all the way to Finish the Job, that's what makes the growth and evolution because... For me, listening to you on the convicts, Till Death Do His Part, and even something serious, there was a huge uh, evolution as a writer, the way you thought, your uh, stories, at least to me. So for you on those first three projects, what difference did you notice with your philosophy, with what you had seen in the world, how you wrote? Well, huh, the hunger, and to 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 be better and um to grow as an artist right it was always in me because you know i was a fan of the music when we grew with the artists you know what i'm saying the artists have come out we look forward to their next album right to see what they're talking about now you know what i'm saying so we learned from a lot of the, the hip-hop artists back then and we would always look for you know the artists they had that good four to five year run you know what i'm saying so I always knew that it was room for me to get better, right? I knew that that growth 
was available to me. And, um, you know, I wanted to take advantage of that. So that's why you always had a, a escalation from the convicts, to where I was at with the convicts, to what I was, where I was at when I got with the ghetto boys, then when I, I struck out on my own, you know what I mean, with the, something serious. I definitely wanted to grow as an artist. I didn't, I see, I, you know, I see artists that try to repeat the same success, but that was never a formula of mine, never. And I bumped heads with the label a lot behind that, right? They'd be like, you need to do a song like such and such. You need to do a song like, you know what I mean, like we did before. And I, that was never challenging to me. It never motivated me. It never sparked my creativity if I felt like I had to go backwards. You know what I mean? And when you're a trailblazer, right? You know, you, 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 you're moving forward. You dig what I'm saying? Um, a lot of people are not gonna understand what's going on with you, but you are trying to find room to grow. If you just had that room to grow, you know what I'm saying? And that's what, what wasn't available over there at Rap-A-Lot. Didn't really have that room to grow, right? Had to get away, you know what I mean? And then after a while, things had really gotten tight. You know what I mean? And, and kind of constricting. But, you know, even with that, I always try to find a way to, to have a certain level of elevation when it came to my music because I always wanted to get better and better and better. You know, so. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you've done a, a great job of that because the, the convicts, I think, showed your potential as great as it is. But I think as just on those next two projects, we saw the huge growth. How and when did the the death row opportunity come? Shortly after we released the Convicts album. Um, man, the Convicts album was out maybe about going on a year, if I'm not mistaken. And um, we get the call. And we hear about the interest interest in us, right? We heard that um, Dr. Dre was leaving Ruthless and he was um, getting with um, with Harry O, right? And his team and, and, um, and Suge, and they was gonna form their own label, Death Row Records. And they liked the idea of the convicts being on Death Row Records. Right, so um, I mean, it was a lot of a lot of other inner workings going on at the time, right? But I'm just giving it to you in a general fashion, and um, yeah, and 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 then the next thing you know, um, uh, one day, um, Jay Prince hit us up and he was like, "Man, y'all get y'all stuff together, y'all going to L.A." We like when we going to L.A. He like tomorrow morning, right? We young men, you know what I mean? Um, I think I had only been in two states, Louisiana and Texas. <laughs> maybe Mississippi, <laughs> up to that point, right? And I was like, oh, man, I'm finna go out here to Los Angeles, what, meet Dr. Dre? Man, we must have got our stuff together so quick. I didn't have much stuff at the time anyway to gather. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and, and before you know it, boom, like that, man, we was out there. You know, I was waking up, um, waking up, sleeping you know, on, the, on the floor. You know what I'm saying? At Dr. Dre's house, first time I had ever been inside a mansion, you know, with Mr. Lake coming down the stairs, you did what I'm saying, DOC over here. It was mind, it was mind blowing. You know what I mean? Because a year up to the leading up to that, you know, I was just recording their videos on VHS. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, right? And then now here I'm there. So yeah, man, it, it was it was an awesome um, turn of events. 
I wish we would have been able to um, release that album that we was working on on Death Row. Um, yeah, because we was working on it and it, it was coming together. Matter of fact, songs that you heard on um, on the Ghetto Boys to Death Do Us Part and on the Something Serious album with songs that I was writing for for the um, Convicts release that was supposed to come out on Death Row, like Straight Gangsterism. Dr. Dre was going to use that on the chronic. Mr. Officer, which they wind up doing reporting a version of it, right? And in the Source magazine, Dr. Dre was being interviewed in the Source magazine, and they were talking about the chronic. And um, he was like, he got to a point in the album, and he said, now this is my favorite song off the album right here. And then you start hearing Mr. Officer, Mr. Officer, you know what I'm saying? And when I was telling people, people were like, like, ah, you know, ah, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what? You feel me? Listen, man, the guy was gonna get the songs, but um, Jay Prince had thought at the time, he said, man, if Dr. Dre want these songs, these songs gonna be hits, but we gonna keep them, right? That's why Mr. Officer, which was a solo song of mine at first, wound up being, a, had to share it with the Ghetto Boys, and that was a single, um, Straight Gangsterism, right? We wound up putting face on the, the radio version. That was a single, you know what I mean? So, you know, they recognized my work. And that's what I got from it. Even though we didn't release the album with Death Row, I knew my work, my work was good. Dr. Dre was picking songs. You feel me? And got the proof. You hear what I'm saying? Right? So it then get back to Houston. Now the ghetto boys want these songs. You dig what I'm saying? And I, I knew my work was good. You know what I mean? I did. I knew my work was good. At that point, you know what I'm saying? And um, I still had some more growing to go through. You know, um, I fumbled the ball a couple of times because um, I wasn't in the right place as an artist. You know what I mean? I was um, making more money and more things were being available to me. And I just wasn't spending my time in, in the right places doing the right things. And my art had suffered for it. You know what I mean? Um, not so much on Steel Series. Because Steel Series had a lot of good work on there. That album was really like a compromise between myself, New Tribe, Virgin, and Rap A Lot, right? I had a whole lot of songs and they was picking songs like, this gotta be on the album. I'm like, I didn't want that to be on the album. Well, we got to work out something because this gonna have to be on the album, right? So we'll let you do, you know, these, this and that, this and that, right? But you got to give us these, you know what I mean? So <clears throat> that's why that album didn't have the continuity of the something serious album, you feel me? And um, by the time we got to the hard to hit project, I was going through the label disputes with the um label really heavy. You dig what I'm saying? So I was I was dealing with a lot of frustration, a lot of anger at the time. You know what I mean? The situation had them got into some real gangster shit. That's what led me wind up going to the penitentiary for my part in it. You dig what I'm saying? Things that got kind of ugly. So um. You know, so when I recorded and 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 and, and we released that um the hard to hit project, um you heard a lot of anger. And then I tell you another thing that they did to the to the album because when I initially recorded the album, the album that I turned in, yeah, I had a couple of songs where you can hear my anger coming out on the songs, but I had a lot of good work on there as well. But once I turned the label in, turned the record in, right when I get when I get the mastered version back. The label had then lift at least 80% of the tracks from up underneath the vocals and placed other tracks, right? And then put features on that I had no idea. You feel me? 
And I was like, so I, I, I figured that's when I was out the door, right? So I figured they was like, well, <laughs> I thought it was a sabotage job. I felt like that. I still feel like that because they like, he's not going to resign. <laughs> you feel me? I don't like that too much. So let's make it seem like he really fell off the cliff. You wow. think what I'm saying? So he won't be worth anything to any other label, wow. right? You dig what I'm saying? And then you couple that with me going to the penitentiary, right? Right after that, right? So, I mean, I only went for four years, right? But four years in the music industry, a lot of time. You dig what I'm saying, right? And um, like I said, I come back and, and it, you know, and it just took me some time. God had to work with me. You know what I mean? I had to put myself to the side and see what he, his will was. And when I focused on his will, you know, he blessed me with my heart's desire. <laughs> and so we have finished the job. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, I assume you don't want to get into it, but it, it sounded like it was a serious situation that, that ended everything at Rap-A-Lot. It was a serious situation. You know what I mean? It was a serious situation. Um, it was a con contractual dispute. Well, my contract was about to be up. I had I had like hard to hit to deliver. I was gonna be done. And um and I had some monies that they owed me, <clears throat> but they wouldn't release my monies, right? And there was no reason for them to hold my monies. The reason they were holding my money is because they wanted me to sign a new contract. When you sign this new contract, we'll release these monies that we owe you. I'm like, nah. You're gonna release my money that you owe me, and then maybe we can sit down and talk about, you know what I mean, doing another deal or something like that, right? So I say, you know what? I'm gonna let God handle it. Feel me? All these rumors is like a man took a box of papers, went to the tallest building in the city on a windy day, threw them out, and all these rumors and things is out there. Me being one person, I cannot track down all those pieces of paper. Right. But if I give it to God, he can cause up a wind and gather all of them and set them on fire. So I focused on him, right? And I'm still here doing my thing. A father, a grandfather, you did what I'm saying? Loving life, doing my thing, making amazing music for the people. It's beyond me. I want the people to get this blessing too. You did what I'm saying? So that's why... I got hella creative on the record, right? That's why I spent all the time. And shout out to my producers, man, because I know I wore them guys out. But that's why we gonna all enjoy the harvest together. You know what I mean? Because I be for real about my music. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, man, God had brought me through, walked, brought me in through and up out a lot. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm a warrior for him. I put it down. I make sure that he's represented in my music. You know what I mean? But but let the public know, because the people be like, is this a gospel album, a Christian album? The album is just a real album. I mean, Sean, you can explain it for yourself the best way you can that they might get it. You know what I mean? But the album is just real conversation. So, you know, it's just like pulling up on me, spending time with me, you know, chopping it up with me. You're going to see what I stand for. And hopefully at the end of the day, you know what I mean? You're inspired. Yeah, I think Finish the Job is a... Like we were talking about at the beginning of the interview, man, there's so many great songs on it. And you have 
a wide range. But that's always what I've liked about you is you have so many different artistic lanes that you go down on most of your work. And I think that finish the job is just an extension of that. And anybody, even if they just caught you the first time on something serious or even still serious, they can see your versatility. And I think it's a testament to your skill that that's what finish the job still has. So. Hey, thank you. I, I appreciate that song. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I give God the glory, man. I always say the reason I'm sharp is because he did it. You dig what I'm saying? And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I, I, I really am enjoying it. You know what I mean? I want to inspire other artists, you know what I mean, to keep pushing and show them that it's a different level to this. You know what I mean? Don't let these labels and the business, business of it tell you you have a time limit on your artistic creativity. You dig what I'm saying? because they feel like, oh, it's time for the next hot thing, young hot thing to come in, right? I showed them, if you're a real artist, man, you can keep doing this, benefiting from it, benefiting others with it, right? And sounding amazing along the way, for real, and establishing a nice legacy. You dig what I'm saying? So when people look back on Big Mike, man, I want them to hear a constant elevation and say, this is one who got better with time. I agree. You know? Yeah. Well, we definitely have to have you come back for part two, Big Mike. We, uh, yeah. Yes, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's been, it's been great talking with you. So we appreciate you coming through the Unique Access, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, son. Man, y'all go get that album. Big Mike, finish the job. Holler at me on Instagram, OG Big Mike. Yes, sir. All right, well, thanks for tuning in to Unique Access with Soren Baker. I appreciate your guys' support. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and however you guys checked out this episode of Unique Access with Soren Baker. Also, if you haven't already, please pick up the copies of my two most recent books, The History of Gangster Rap and The Gucci Man Guide to Greatness with Gucci Man. You can find both of those books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at the independent bookstore near you. And of course, you could also check them out at your library. And if any of those places don't have them, please request them. And most importantly, thank you so much for listening to Unique Access with Soren Baker, however you listen to us. And please subscribe so we get into your feed. Hit us with that like and hit us with the five stars, 10 stars, 100 stars, whatever's the highest they got on this platform. But we appreciate your guys' support and look forward to you checking us out on the next episode. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 